All right, Luke chapter 15, um, I'm in the NIV, um, and I'll read the first two verses, and then also verse 11 through the end of the chapter. And I know it's a lot, and it's a big passage, um, so I would encourage you to take notes, note takers or history makers, so so if you would, you know, if you feel so inclined to write in your Bible or notes to take later to refresh and review, um, hopefully that will find you beneficial as well. And last thing, I'm not preaching, as, I'm preaching more to me as opposed to anybody else, so this is, uh, this is what I'm trying to live by and trying to enjoy myself and to live in that freedom, that grace that God gives us. And may, may you enjoy that as well. All right, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, and then go to 11. Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now on to verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got off, got together everything he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went, up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and and he pleaded with him. But he answered, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to be to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we trust in you, Lord, to reveal your, your words. This is the inerrant, inspired word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, each and every one of us, uniquely in our situation and in our circumstance. And I pray that you would do that today through, through your word, the word of God, and through Christ, your words in this story, in this parable. May it, may it meet us where we are and where we, may we realize how deep, how vast, how immeasurable, how amazing 
How incredible your love is for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. There's so many beautiful, wonderful theological concepts in here. Um, I always like how Pastor Don says, imagine yourself in the, in the narrative. Imagine yourself in the story. Uh, let's look at this. You know, are, are we, do we identify with the older brother, the younger brother, the father? Uh, where, where, do we, where do we find ourselves in this story? And obviously our roles could change over time. But, you know, looking at the tax collectors and sinners, obviously they were the despised people of the time. They were, oh, they had all the guilt and the shame and the remorse. And, you know, the tax collectors, they made their living off of the backs of their own people, their own, their own Jewish people, uh, brethren. And so they were despised and rejected. And then the, you know, and then you have the Pharisees of the law, Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who were like the re- religious elite. They were God's people. And... But then, you know, they were so judgmental and arrogant in their nature towards others that Jesus had to address them. And he did it in such a beautiful, masterful, artistic way in this story, in this parable. And so going on, so how whenever the the younger son uh, said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Mosaic law uh, prohibited asking for the inheritance until the father had passed away. So he literally was telling his father, why don't you just go ahead and die? You're no good to me. You're useless. I have no need for you. I just want your stuff. I just want your money, your possessions. And I'm looking at my life sometimes. When have I wanted just God's blessings instead of God? Uh, When have I, you know, just wanted financial prosperity and prosperity in relationships, but I haven't been willing to just search God and seek God and seek his word and seek prayer and community fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. So do we want God or do we want what he can give us? And Job is a perfect story. My father's preaching on recently how even whenever everything was stripped, Job still worshiped God. So may, may may that be true in my life and in our lives as well, in your lives as well. And so his, when he divided the inheritance, he had to, they didn't keep the uh, assets in the bank like they do now. It was all, oh, it was all tied up into the property. So the father literally had to, and the, the, his identity, like in farming communities, their identity is in the land. Like the land is, is who they are. So he literally had to divide his identity and divide his, his, all, of his all of his ground, his life, to sell everything in front of the whole community and how embarrassing that must have been for the father to be publicly embarrassed in front of the whole community knowing that the son wanted the, wanted the money early. And going on, the older son received a double, double portion, double shares. So he received two-thirds of the inheritance and the younger son received one-third. And he went off to the distant country. And whenever I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking, how many times have I... Self-discovery, for example, like how many times have I left the friendly confines of home and of God's plan and God's design and left it, traded it for the things of the world, for, for you know, every, every single pleasure you can imagine. And so how many times do we leave the friendly confines and go to a distant country and find we make idols of, of the money or relationships or fame, or fortune, or, you know, or even drugs or alcohol. And so how many times do we sell ourselves out to the, to the foreign country and uh, the kingdom of the world and not the kingdom of heaven? And when he was feeding the pigs, 
for a young Jewish man, that was despicable. Pigs were ceremonially unclean, and for him to be feeding them was basically like living with the demons, living with the devil. And so just how terrible and how shameful, how remorseful that would have been. But then he comes to his senses, and I love how that line says, you know, how many of, I'm sure all of us here have a story. When we came to our senses, when we, when we realized I can't do it on my own, when we realized that my way is not God's way, and, and he knows best, he knows best. And so everyone has to come to their senses, and he comes back and he says, I've sinned, and he wanted to become a hired man. He didn't want to be, he didn't think he could be a son again, and he didn't want to be a servant but he wanted to be a hired man, so he wanted to come back and work for his father to try to repay, repay some of what he had, some of what he had taken from his father. But his father saw him a long way off, which makes me think that he was up on the hill, up on the mountaintop, up on the roof, scanning, looking out over the distant fields every day, every day, waiting and praying and hoping that this will be the day that my son comes back. This will be the day my son turns his heart to me. And that's how God is for all of us as well. And I love how it says, you know, when he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And I've heard a better translation would say, and he kissed him much. He kissed him excessively. Just that lavish love. Just running, throwing, you know, throwing caution to the wind and just full on. There's my son. He's back. I don't care what he's done. I don't care what it cost me. Here he is. He's back. And I'm welcoming him back. And so oh, it's incredible. Middle Eastern fathers, they didn't run. Like they would have to pull up their long robes and bear their, you know, their weak, um, oh, you know, weak and um, oh, pale legs and, and literally run in an undignified fashion out in front of the whole community out to meet his son. And uh, one uh, biblical scholar said that in this situation, the father is acting more like a mother than a father, than a Middle Eastern father. And so I'm for sure one right here, I'm sure many of you as well are grateful for a good mother and the mother's love, which is irreplaceable. And and so it's incredible. God is, Christ is redefining the nature of God in this story right here as a loving father, gracious, slow to anger, gracious and compassion, abounding in steadfast love. He's not a vengeful God, not an angry God. He wants no one to perish, but all to repent. So an incredible story of oh, the compassion and yes, and so and then you know they can oh just uh, just incredible um, going on you know he says Father I've sinned against heaven and you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son and here he is you know he's repenting and but before he even gets to finish his full apology his father interrupts him he says quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Don't even wait till you get bathed. Don't don't wait for a shower. Just come right now. And, you know, come as you are. It's like how, as we as a church, let's welcome everyone into our midst. Uh, And let's go for, like Don says, you know, he spent most of his career yard in ministry, a yard in the gates of hell. How about we welcome the... The, welcome all the hurting. Welcome, welcome the poor. Welcome those who may have had troubles in their past. Maybe, you know, a lot of, sometimes churches were so judgmental, and I know that's not true of Cottonwood, but just, you know, sometimes you see churches that are judgmental, people who may have, you know, have had a criminal history or who have had addiction or have had divorce or financial issues or other sins. So like, 
As a church, let's welcome with arms wide open everyone, each and everyone who comes in this door and everyone we talk to in our community too, to share God's incredible love with them. Bring the best robe and put it on him. The best robe, that was the father's own robe. He, God literally is willing to clothe us with his own identity, even in our shame, even in our guilt, even in our grief, even in our pain. So he is literally willing to take his own robe and identify with us and come down to identify with us as his children. And bring the best, bring the ring and put it on him. This, that wasn't just any ring. It was the signet ring, a very significant ceremonial ring where he could, where then the son can now dip it in wax and then press it onto, onto legal documents, announcing that he had full legal authority and full restoration to the rights and privileges of being a son in the family. And bring sandals and put, him on, put the sandals on his feet. At that time, the servants would not wear sandals. They would go barefoot. And the family was the only one who wore sandals. So whenever, whenever we bring the sandals back, uh, that is God giving us our defense, our protection from the rocks, from the dirt, from, from any, type of, oh, any type of challenges that we may face. Uh, God wants to protect us and to shield us and to clothe us with his righteousness and his strength and his beauty. And then going on, let's, have, let's bring the fattened calf and kill it. So meat was a rarity in those times in that day and age. And uh, the fattened calf celebration, literally it was a two or three times in a lifetime. That's how rare it was to have that kind of celebration. So the father is sparing no expense, fully lavishing everything onto the repentant son. And then as we go back, as we read on, it's just incredible. This son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let's look at the older brother's mentality. He was, obviously the older brothers in this story was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious elite. And how judgmental, how, uh, how, you know, how condemning they were in their attitude, in their, in their nature. And so, yes, it's, so which kind of kind of brings me to the uh, it makes me think you know he says I've been slaving for you all these years and you never gave me anything and do we serve God out of obedience and and gratitude or do we do it out of out of almost like a compulsion like is it is it do we you know oh do we do we is it are we working for God or are we worshiping Him what's our heart attitude is it is it is it a chore or is it you know, is it just, yeah, is it a difficult task for us to labor or are we doing it out of just the abundance of our life and the gratitude that he's given us? Not, not what he can give us, but what he's already given us. Everything he's given us, everything through his son. And going on here, and also as we, as we scroll down a little bit, um, it makes me think of two different options. This is two different ways to get to God in this story. There is a story of, Moral conformity, which is what the Pharisees and teachers of the law, that's how they thought they could get to God, by following the law to a T and, and, and judging those who did not. Or the other path was self-discovery. Do we think we can find pleasure and meaning and purpose on our lives on our own, as the younger brother pursued? And yes, oh, as we go on, you know, it's just incredible how God redefined, he redefined sin, 
He redefined himself, his very nature, and he also redefined salvation in this short parable. It makes me think, okay, so obviously it cost a lot to, to the younger, to the older brother. He was mad. He was looking at it at the cost to him. Um, for example, like, oh, this party is going to cost me because he already spent all his inheritance. So it's going to cost me. But I am very grateful that we have an older brother in Christ who wasn't concerned about what it cost to come and to welcome us back into the party, welcome us back into the family. Our older brother in Christ, he literally paid it all, all of his blood, all of his sweat, all of his tears, all of the, the, the guilt and shame and grief and embarrassment that he faced before, before the world. So he was, I'm so glad that our Heavenly Father was able to save his son on a rescue mission, split heaven, send him on a rescue mission to save us. So I'm so happy the older brother with the price the older brother was able to pay. I have several points as we're, as we're wrapping up here. Number one, stay close to God the Father. Stay close to God the Father. He created you in his image. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And we can praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has ordained all of our days before one of them ever came to be. And they're written in his book. So stay close to God. Stay close to the Father from, from Psalm 1, 139. And also from Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It goes on to say, it says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So may we, may we all be people that seek the Lord with all of our heart. Seek him while he may be found. And number two, uh, I hope we can be characterized as a church and a people, uh, as Christians, as people who welcome all. Sure, we don't have to approve of their lifestyle. Sure, we, uh, you know, uh, we see a lot of sin in this world. We do. Um, but I think the, the best way to show the world their value and their value in the eyes of Christ is not to tell them how lost they are, but to tell them how loved they are. As they know the love and as they, as they know our love and as we, they work with us and, and get to know us, and then as they read, then they will see and be convicted. So may we be a people that welcome all and that uh, they extend the grace and the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness and the freedom that Christ has given us. And the last thing, uh, we, I pray that we would always remember God's hesed love. Hesed is a Hebrew term for God's steadfast, loyal, faithful love. The love that never fails. It's dedicated. It's committed. And it's just a, a lavish love that the Father, the Father, God the Father has bestowed on us. Uh, as we are children of God. It's the love, oh, it says, you know, the same love of Christ when he was baptized in Mark. Um, the voice from heaven, God's voice said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my child, my love. So always remember that no matter what happens in this life, and sure, there's a lot of negative voices. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of regret, remorse, sins, um, anger. But as we, as we look to our identity in Christ, all those, as we know, we are a child of God. All those feelings may they be replaced with joy and peace and love and grace, forgiveness, mercy, and oh, that's what I, uh, oh, that's what I hope and pray. And always remember that His love split the skies to come down on a rescue mission to meet you for you. I need my daughter for this last illustration. Now, oh, I, uh, how many, uh, as families, as 
you know, as parents, um, we we can never imagine having not having a relationship with our children. And so how much more, even this God's lavish love for us, how much more is his love as a heavenly father? Like if we don't have a relationship with him, then how much more does that grieve him and, and everything he's done for us and his the lavish love that he has wonderfully and magnificently displayed on us. Thank you, hello, girl. It is my daughter, Eden Joy. Eden Joy, say hi. Yeah, Eden Joy. Um, and, you know, children are a blessing from the Lord. Always remember that they are a blessing. And, and oh, um, I, a couple nights ago, I was pretty tired. I was pretty tired. It was probably about, oh, it was probably about 1 a.m., trying to get some rest. And I have five children, and they're all such a huge, beautiful blessing. And, um, so Eden Joy was, my daughter Sayla woke me up and said, Sayla Grace woke me up and she said, Eden is crying, she needs you. So I walked into her room and I found my beautiful, beautiful daughter right here. And she had a dirty diaper that had fallen off and she literally was laying there naked and cold and afraid and dirty. One a.m. I went in, I immediately grabbed her, picked her up, I took her to have a warm shower a warm bath with her. And then I, I changed her. I clothed her. I, I put on warm clothes. I wrapped her up. I wrapped her up in my arms. And so, so she, it just reminds me of a couple years ago. Um, it just reminds me of, you know, maybe two, two decades ago where I was broken. I was in, I had the shame. I had the, oh, I had the, um, yes, it was like I, where God literally picked me up and I was naked. I was, I was dirty. I was ashamed. And so like, it just was a beautiful reminder of God's love for me and for... Thanks, Eden. <laughs> but, yeah, but just seeing, you know, seeing her in that state, and that reminded me of the state that I was in before Christ and the state that maybe all of us were before Christ. So... Yes, and so my main, my main prayer is today that we would just realize how deep, how wide, how immeasurable God's love is. And may we be a church of people as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we match his compassion and, and match his, his empathy and his care and concern, his grace and mercy towards others as we, as we seek to change not only just our families, not only our schools, not only our community, our county, not only our nation, but also the world, as we seek to change the world. As I know as we link arms together with other Christians, I know we can change the world and we can change eternity for the best, for the best we can. All right, let's come before the Lord in prayer.